0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to part two of Willie and I's conversation about the importance and necessity of discipleship in the church. Uh, I think it's from D.L. Moody, who uh, somebody was critiquing D.L. Moody for his style of evangelism. And he his response was, I like my poor way of evangelism better than your lack of evangelism.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's a way of like, um, hey, even if you're not going to be doing, you know, maybe just start doing discipleship. You may do it poorly, but it's better to be starting to do it and trying it out and figuring it out. Learning by trial and error than just being afraid of doing it, period and and you know it really comes down to another idea that that we don't talk about a lot um in churches um is the the idea of the the, the distinction between sins of commission and sins of omission right there and uh and the church talks a lot about sins of commission right sins where we like actively are involved in a sin but we don't talk a lot about sinning where we refuse to act because let's i think this is probably one of the biggest sins in the church actually is our just refusal to take action refusal to do something because we're afraid right you'll have churches who are afraid to spend money on something because they're worried that they're going to misuse it but then they just sit on money not realizing that it's a sin to just sit on the gifts that god has given you right Scott Vanderplug reminded us that at Synod, Mm -hmm. right? He said, if you, if we, God gives us a talent and we bury it in the ground because we're afraid that we're going to misuse it or whatever, that's a sin. And God had nothing good to say about that person. And so we need to, we need to recognize that even our lack of discipleship, our lack of efforts at one, like one on one discipleship, that there's, there is a sin of omission there as well. And so we need to start trying sin. We need to start doing it. And uh, and I think it, if we start doing it, we'll actually see the transformation start to happen in, in our churches as well.
1: And not to necessarily bring this conversation back to Synod, but I love the time that was spent on the floor dedicated to that motion made by Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like he was saying, this is the most important issue before us at Synod. He said, everybody came to Synod for this reason or that reason. I came for this, he said, Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is a man uh, with his discipleship program that is pumping disciples out and sending them into the denomination, into the world to make disciples for Jesus Christ. So it it was kind of like what Dave Bosher said. So when a guy like that stands up and makes a motion from the floor, I kind of want to listen. Yeah. And so, Scott
0: Pluge, he's going to be saying, and Dave Bosher, they're going to be saying mm-hmm. the same things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two 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 discipleship is all about being someone, being discipled by someone, and discipling someone else, and uh, and it's all about one on one discipleship. That's what it is, and they they bring in a a curriculum kind of alongside that to kind of help you do that. Um, but. And, and I encourage you guys to go check it out. I've heard lots of good things about it. Um, I'm a lot more laid back in my style of of one-on-one discipleship. Um, and, and it's probably just my personality. I always have some kind of discipleship, um, kind of a curriculum in mind or some kind of a structure. But often for me, it's like what Willie and I did is we it was like, all right, let's go through Romans and we'll just work through as much of Romans as we get through this week. And then next week we'll start where we left off and we'll get through as much of that. And if it's one verse, great. If it's a whole chapter, great. We just kind of plotted through it. And it was there just to give us a structure to the conversation. And some weeks we talked about things that had nothing to do with that passage, because that was what was on your mind and your heart or what was on my mind and heart. And and I felt like you needed that week. And so we just kind of went with it. But the curriculum part of it's really helpful because you know you always have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then just the the being flexible enough to kind of go off the chart and go off the path a little bit and talk about what's on people's hearts and minds that week is important as well. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm always trying to tie it back into the text or tie it back into what we're saying and say like, oh, so you're struggling with this this week. Well, notice how the passage we read today, um, what does that have to say about your struggle this week? Because I can almost guarantee you it has something to say about your struggle this week. And so what does this have to say in helping people kind of wrestle through uh, some of that? But So if you want a more structured approach, I would totally encourage you go to 222 Discipleship, Uh, look into their curriculum, their material. It's good, good stuff. But if you're more like kind of laid back, organic, you don't want to be tied too much to that. The simplest way is start with a book of the Bible and may it it could be a gospel or whatever. Just pick a book of the Bible and just work through it little by little by little with somebody.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this arises a question, actually. So, Jason, you and I, obviously, in different churches, in different classes, in different positions, even. Um, discipleship done by the both of us is going to look pretty similar, uh, I would say, uh, because we're, we're similar in personality, which helps. Um, but then also you were someone who discipled me very much. And then I kind of, you know, took uh, what I thought I needed from your style and kind of implemented it into mine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. but you as a pastor of a church, myself as not a pastor of a church, uh, let, I just want this opportunity to just give an example of how we are discipling right now in our mm-hmm. own context. So I don't know if you want to go first, but sure. just an idea I had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say um, I'll, I'll give a perspective from both sides um, as far as, Um, so let me first start off. I'll, I'll get to who I'm discipling in in my church and what that looks like right now. Um, but I also want to say from the flip side, if you're a, if you're a younger person, um, and you're wanting to be discipled, I can almost guarantee you, if you come into your church, you look around your church and you say, that's someone I want to disciple me. Mm -hmm. Um. And you go up and approach them and you say, Hey, I'm wanting to grow. I see this in you. I see these gifts and talents in you. Um, I need your help. I want you to walk with me. I almost guarantee you they will do it. They will feel really honored to do that. And so, even so, for me as a young man, um, getting ready to enter into, I had been in ministry for a little bit. Um, I really felt that I, I needed a mentor, I needed someone close. I was in the distance program, I was just entering into the distance program at the seminary. And I knew I wasn't going to get any of that mentorship from my professors because I was only there for a couple of weeks out of the year. And so, you know, that's when I I looked around our congregation and I said, "Okay, Rob Braun is in our church. And he's a man who's as theologically knowledgeable as almost pretty much every one of my seminary professors (laughs) and uh, steeped in Reformed history, steeped in Reformed theology. I think this man, he has something I need. And so I asked him, I said, Rob, would you be willing to be my mentor? We'll get together. We'll have breakfast once in a while and uh, talk about life and ministry and doctrine. Um, and he was honored to do that, right? And so we did that. We would get together for breakfast regularly throughout my seminary. And, uh, and the beautiful part of it was I he got to preach at my ordination service and and kind of disciple me. And we get to kind of walk together now. It was kind of fun that we both were serving at Synod together in 2022, And so that's one side of it. So if you're a younger man or younger woman and you're wanting to be discipled, don't just sit back either and wait and say, please, I want someone to disciple me. Um, You take some action, look around your church, find an older man, an older woman, and, uh, and then approach them and say, Hey, would you be willing to disciple me? And maybe once a month, every other week, whatever, and figure something out for me as a pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, I I probably say this every podcast, right? But in a church revitalization, again, Mm -hmm. we're uh, in a spot where, you know, 60% of our church is over the age of 60. And so we we struggle to find leaders in our church. We don't, you know, every time council elections and and come up, we're like trying to find people. And I keep asking, why do you think that is, you know? Um, And so my proactive role in that is I sat down and looked through the, the, my congregation and picked out some young men in my church. And I said, Hey, these are some young men in my church. I wrote down a list. Lists are great. Here's a list of young men in my church who I think would be open to being discipled. I think they have some leadership gifts. And, uh, and then I just approached them and said, Hey, would you want to be discipled by me? Um, Just, we can meet, you know, every other week we're going to go through, I'm not going through a book of the Bible with them. I have a curriculum that kind of works through a systematic theology Hmm. in a way. And so looking at the doctrine of God, doctrine of man, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm just walking through that with them really, really slowly. Um, I mean, we did a year's worth of meetings and we only got through the attributes of God. Hmm. So um, that's it over a year, maybe a year and a half. So just really slow, like focusing on one attribute of God each week and, tying it in and helping them understand how that attribute um, changes the way that they view their struggles and their joys each week. And so, yeah, we've been doing that. It's uh, often, it's me and two guys. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's just me and one guy and uh, it, that every other week. And then um, I, I intentionally made sure it wasn't more than two or three. Cause I wanted that small group feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then often we're meeting one on one outside of those meetings as well. So I'll, you know, something will come up. We'll get together. We'll just talk and and do life together. So that's kind of what we're doing right now um, as kind of an active discipleship. We've got a few other ideas in mind on how to start discipling people, but but yeah, for me as a as the pastor, I'm uh, going through and writing down a list of people, and uh, and then just kind of start working through that list.
1: It's really good. Um, So what this kind of has looked like at peas over the last month, coming up on a month and a half. um, It was laid on uh, my heart and my wife's heart um, earlier in the springtime that uh, it's not sufficient for us to just identify the problem of a lack of discipleship. Uh, Part of it, part of being the solution means taking that leadership yourself. Um, so we found a a small group of couples. I think it's one, two, three, I think it's four couples. And we wanted to keep that number small too. Um, and we decided we're going to, I'm going to teach through something and it can be super structured. It can be laid back, but we just need to be talking about the things of God on a regular basis. We meet every other Wednesday and I teach through R.C. Sproul's book essential truths of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who's looking for a really good tool for small group and just personal study material, R.C. Sproul is my favorite teacher, theologian, communicator um, that our generation has ever seen, bar none, hands down. Yep. Um, so I recommend his stuff to anybody. So we're using that kind of as our, our curriculum, and we're going through one section for two Wednesdays. So we'll spend two Wednesdays on the same uh, section of chapters because there's so much material that he goes through. Yeah. And uh, he does it. it, It's, it's wide, but it's also concise and it's just enough to spark enough conversation. Uh, And the beauty is having studied these things, I know some of the deeper meanings of what Sproul didn't write about. Um, Mm -hmm. So that when questions arise, I can kind of expound and say, here are some gaps that he's leaving for the sake of him making this condensed. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the format that I've been using. Uh, Now, that's my discipleship kind of um, on the horizontal level. Um, On the downward level, I'm still meeting with a couple of youth kids. And we will, it's funny, we'll, we'll listen to this podcast. Sometimes we'll watch old synod clips which is really fun and informative. Um, Other times we're going through a book of the Bible or a a chapter at a time. Um, So that's my downward discipleship focus. And then upwardly, I meet once a month with uh, Pastor Les Kuyper. Mm -hmm. Um, Les Kuyper was uh, the specialized transitional minister for uh, Bethel five years ago. Actually, he was assigned to Bethel and he had pastored first CRC at Oostburg for like 24 or close to 25 years. And uh, he just celebrated 50 years of ordained ministry this year. Praise God. Um, Yeah, praise God is right. So he's been um, a minister of the word for a long time. And he's somebody that I look up to a lot. Um, So we meet pretty much on a monthly. It's either once every four weeks or once every six weeks. Uh, We just get together. And some of it's accountability. Um, you know, we're talking about like, oh, how's work or how's this stuff in your church going, denominational positions that I'm holding now. Mm -hmm. Um, so that all is very, and because he's very wise, I think he's been to synod like seven times and he chaired it in 2012. Mm -hmm. So he's very helpful and, um, a, a great mentor and resource to me. So those are the ways in which discipleship has, has kind of fleshed itself out in my context.
0: Yeah. And then I'll just add one more thing for, um, I would say for pastors listening to this, one of the things that I've been trying to work on in my church is, you know, one-on-one discipleship or at least small groups. But I think one-on-one is is really important, uh, has been a huge part of my ministry, my life. And I've been trying to kind of encourage my elders to, to get on board with that as well. And one of the ways I've been encouraging them in that is, Um, maybe it's not like subtle, but just give, I gave each of my elders at our last elders meeting, I gave them a list of names, um, from our church and said, Hey, here are some guys in our church who I think are open and willing to be discipled. Um, and I even did, I broke them down by people. I think you would be a good fit discipling. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to kind of nudge you even more and say, here's a list of three or four names in our church who I think they would enjoy being discipled by you. You would enjoy discipling them. They would benefit from it. Um, Why don't you pray over this list and then come back to our next elders meeting. And um, we'll talk about if God's laying one of them on your heart. And if somebody else is good, go, go do that with them. But again, it's kind of a way to start kind of nudging and, you know, for anybody outside of, you know, you don't have to be an elder or a pastor. You don't even have to be, you can be 15 years old and be discipling somebody and doing one-on-one discipleship. You know, anybody listening to this, I would encourage you, like I kind of made the joke earlier, lists are good, but sit down after you listen to this podcast, sit down and start writing a list. Think about, all right, who would be people that, um, one, that you would want to disciple you, whether from your church or from the surrounding churches, from the surrounding areas, who, who would be people that you want To disciple you, who could pour into you, and and that would help you grow in your faith. And then the second list, look at your church, your community, and uh, who are possible people that you could disciple, that you could see yourself meeting with on a regular basis, whether it be every other week or even once a month. Um, What would that look like for you to Uh, be discipling someone who's God laying on your heart and then just keep those lists in front of you and just pray about it and see who God lays on your heart. And then go eventually as God's laying someone on your heart, go ask them, ask somebody to start kind of being a disciple, uh, a mentor for you. And then ask somebody if they are interested in being in a one-on-one discipleship with you. And uh, if that, if either of them say no, go to the next person down on the list and keep, keep seeking and praying about that. And I think you'd be surprised how God's already um, worked some of that out. Uh, funny story on that with, uh, with these young men in my church that I'm discipling right now, I had come up with a list of like three guys that I was like, I think these three young men, um, they're in a, just a perfect position for me to start discipling them. And so I've been kind of praying about it, praying about it. I hadn't asked them yet. I was kind of figuring out how to ask them And then uh, all of a sudden, one of them came up to me and said, hey, I was talking with this other guy and we were thinking it'd probably be really helpful, you know, to have someone to kind of, if you would want to come alongside and help train us, disciple us a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) imagine that. I've got you on a list of people to talk to about discipleship. And so, again, it's one of those moments where, God's working kind of before and behind and, and in that whole situation. And so you'd be surprised that once you get a list of people, you start praying about it, um, God will start working too. And all of a sudden these situations come up and uh, and then just start doing it. And, you know, if you if you want some curriculum, we've already said go to 222 Discipleship, open up a Bible, reach out to me. I've got plenty of ideas on curriculum. I I put together like a discipleship thing that goes along with my sermon series. Um, every sermon series I preach. So if you're wanting a study booklet or something like that, talk to me and I can get you something like that. There's plenty of resources out there. The resources should never hinder you uh, from doing one-on-one discipleship. And and if you don't have any money, um, your Bible is free. So you can sit down, just you and the Bible and another person and talk. And you don't have to be out for coffee or breakfast. You can go sit at a park somewhere or go walk in the woods. Go sit in a boat and fish if they if they like to do that. And just uh, talk about what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ today.
1: Yeah, and while we're talking about discipleship, I'm going to talk just a little bit about uh, men and women and uh, discipling in those categories. Um, I was talking to my wife about this, and uh, she was—we were kind of sharing experiences in how we have each been discipled and then do discipling. Um, and I think a distinction that I like to make is. You know, let's say you have a younger couple who um, is coming to a church and they're trying to get the lay of a land. Um, she said from her experience, uh, what what the godly woman wants very much is a strong sense of community and fellowship and kind of those around her who she can resonate with and be in community with. Whereas a godly man, uh, specifically a godly younger man, looks for a strong godly man. Um, so when he sees someone who has a strong pastoral presence in the pulpit, I think the godly young man is more prone to say, I'm going to follow that guy. Amen. So I like to kind of cast that vision and say, uh, this is this is the kind of model that I have seen bear itself out in the church over a number of years now. And I would say for people who are disciplers, be those people, be the people that want to pour in to younger women so that they can love their children and love their husbands. And if you are a godly older man, be that person that is equipped to equip younger men to love their wives and lay their lives down for them as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of been the distinction, men and women discipleship that I've seen throughout the years. Amen. And I I guess I'll piggyback off of that
0: and say, you know, that's a big, just a big part of discipleship is actually uh, growing yourself in faith. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not being, you know, some people think in order to disciple somebody, you have to be an expert or whatever, but really it's you're growing in faith alongside of someone else. And maybe you're a couple of steps ahead of them and you can point behind you and say, watch out for that rock. You're going to trip over that. Watch out for this. And, oh yeah, I tripped over that rock a couple, (laughs) couple of weeks ago. Let me, let me show you how not to do that. Right. And so part of discipling is just you growing in faith and growing in to be the man and or woman that God has called you to be. And then helping other people see how God's doing that work in you. And uh, it's really not about always just knowing. It's about knowing and being. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so as Willie was saying, you know, be that man, be that woman. That's that's what we're trying to grow into the image of Christ. And, uh, and as we do that, we're just looking at some other people around us saying, hey, uh, like Paul said, right? Follow me as I follow Christ.
1: Mm-hmm exactly right and i think it's important for us to remember that some of the most important disciplers in the new testament were christ's disciples uh they were the apostles upon whom the church was founded and built uh and you know what they were they were uneducated galileans <laughs> so i i think for somebody to say well i don't really know if i'm qualified to be pouring into somebody i I'm just a, you know, a general laborer at a lumber yard. That would be a poor excuse for me to use uh, because of how God has made me and how he's gifted me and the resources that I've used at my disposal so that I can now import that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so just remember, um, God uses the small to shame the big, uh, just, just the broad, overarching First Corinthians principle that Jason was saying here. Um You just have to be willing to be used by God to be the one who is involved in somebody's life to help them be conformed into the image of Christ as we keep in step with the Spirit himself. Amen. And the fact that
0: whatever position you, you know, one of the things um, I've told people, actually, probably one of the benefits that I've had in my current church is that I never really ever planned on being a pastor. Um, and so I worked all of these random jobs, right? Uh, people always laugh at me because I've worked like, I don't know, so many different jobs. I was a construction worker for a while. I worked for a vet clinic for a while. I ran a dock business for a while. I was a car salesman for a really sad couple of months. Um, <laughs> you know, all these random jobs. And that before I came into the ministry and that helps me be able to relate to all of the different people in my church who have worked all of these different jobs. I worked in a factory for a long time. And so just the, the fact that you are not a ordained pastor, I mean, sometimes being an ordained pastor actually makes it harder to disciple people mm. um, because you have put yourself in a position of irrelevance. And so the fact that you are a factory worker and you're not even a supervisor at the factory, you just work on the line that actually gives you a different type of street cred to be able to speak into the lives of people because you've been there, done that, right? Or the farmer. Um, you know, I've heard farmers, oh, I just spend every day with cows. I don't know why anybody would want to listen to me because you spend every day with cows. That's why they want to listen to you because you've got uh, a different way of dealing with stuff and thinking and you've got something to offer. And so, yeah, there, there is no high-end Mighty position of discipleship. If if you're if you're a faithful follower of Christ, and you're seeking to know Christ, and and to grow in Christ, and to grow into mature manhood, as Ephesians four says, uh, you're equipped to be a disciple, discipler. So, um, and and if you're not, and I'll put this even more pointed: if you're equipped to be a discipler, if God has given you that talent, and you've buried it in the ground and are not using it. Um, that would be a sin of omission. And so I just want to really encourage you, um, find somebody, disciple somebody, figure out a way. It doesn't have to be every week. It doesn't even have to be every other week. It should be at least once a month, I would say. But find someone that you're going to be regularly in relationship with and, and disciple them.
1: And uh, someone's passion, I'm going to go ahead and just give Herb sure a shout out here. Uh and I say that because um he, first of all this year at synod was partially so enjoyable because of him. Uh not just on the floor but he was also in my advisory committee. So I I got to spend some good time with Herb and uh j- the joy that he emulates is just so infectious. Uh but also at uh at the abide convention uh he was loved and revered by each and every one of the young adult representatives. And that is not a coincidence. <laughs> the the fact that they're like he Herb, he, he's not somebody who, you know, he's an or, he's not an ordained minister of the word, but do you know who he is? He's a farm guy who loves pouring into and discipling people. And now they all want Herb sure t shirts that say put your big boy pants on. So, uh, I, I say, if if God uses someone like myself, or Jason, like yourself, or like Herb, sure, be encouraged and be challenged and exhorted. He can use you too.
0: Amen. Yeah, and you know why they love Herb, sure. And I think I'll I'll keep uh, hammering on this point. A part of it is just because he is who he is. That's right. Right. And that's, uh, and you know, if you're going to go try to, if you're, you are going to go, we're not going to say if you are going to leave from this podcast. And if you're not discipling somebody younger than you, you're going to find somebody. And, uh, and part of discipling them is not pretending to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, part of discipling them is just being who you are. And, uh, and especially if you're looking at teenagers and young adults, um, Because teenagers and young adults have a very high BS meter. And -hmm. if you're BSing them, and if you're pretending to be someone you're not, they don't want to hear anything you have to say. Um, So just be yourself. If you're kind of a nerd... Just be a nerd and they'll they will think that's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're if you're a redneck hillbilly, kind of like I am, just be a redneck hillbilly and just say it like it is. That's fine. If you're if you're an Iowa truck driving pig farmer like Herb, just be an Iowa truck driving pig farmer, say it like it is, and they want to hear what you have to say. They'll respect you. And so I tell people this: part of discipleship, part of mentoring is not trying to pretend like you're a perfect Christian, because we know that that's not realistic at all. Part of discipleship is just being a faithful Christian um, who makes mistakes, right? Willie and I have already shared some of those mistakes that I've made in discipling him over the years. Um, But part of mentoring is making mistakes with somebody and then doing it as a Christian. And so when a Christian makes mistakes, they admit it they repent of it, they confess it, they repent of it, and they seek the Holy Spirit's strength as they move forward. And so you're going to make mistakes as you're discipling somebody. They're going to see you make some really big, dumb, bad mistakes. And your your role is not to pretend like it didn't happen, but is to come back and say, you know what? See that mistake that I made? That was bad. I never should have done that. I never should have put myself in that seat. Whatever. Um, and I've confessed it, I've repented it, and thank God I have a Savior that has cleansed me of that and is going to strengthen me to live out that. Now, I want to help you
1: do that too. Um, that's really what mentorship is. You you, you need somebody to be reminding you that you may be a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. And lean into that. Uh, why will I be in heaven when I die? It's not because of anything that I have done. I, all of my good works are as good as polluted garments. I stand on the finished work of Christ and the righteousness of him that I am clothed with. So remember that and be reminded of that by someone who is discipling you. Uh, it, it's like we're saying here, the, these are very, it, seem, it seems so basic because it is. <laughs> there there's there's really no secret to the success of discipleship other than the fact that people took the time to actually do it because they had a passion for it and because God gifted them to do it so don't be negligent of your gifts and don't be negligent of godly people around you um it, it doesn't matter what education level that you're working with or not it is incumbent upon you to be obedient to what the word of god says and to be actively seeking out those who are raising you up or to be raising somebody up. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us
0: out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. That way you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to the Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for our conversation with Stuart DeYoung. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy Reformation.